Hello and welcome to the Andyplex, the podcast where we talk about movies with those who love them deeply and hear their journeys. I'm your host, Andy Majorano. This is episode 28, The Super Majorano Brothers. Today's guest is none other than my very own brother, Gianni Majorano, my only sibling. At just two years apart, we grew up tight as they come. Always marooned and stuck together as our parents were gallivanting around as travel agents, our bond deepened. Johnny has a career outside of the entertainment world, but we do share a love for many things. I always said Gianni is to video games as I am to movies. An avid gamer and game enthusiast, he has always been an advocate for the immersive game experience and the rich stories that stem from gaming. I've wanted him on my show for some time now, and we finally found something that is a perfect Venn diagram of our interests. The brand new Super Mario Brothers movie from Illumination Studios. Welcome, my dear brother and friend, Gianni Majorano. Hello, and thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I don't, uh, I don't tell, tell too many people that you're my brother, but uh, I guess this time <laughs> I'll let it go. Yeah, I under, I understand not wanting to embarrass your 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 good your good name and reputation <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with me. Um, so I, I want to just jump right into uh, to us before we go into the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is amazing and we love and we both loved and we've been wanting to do a movie together, talk about a movie together, do a podcast together, do an Andyplex episode together. And you saw this in the theater before I did, which was also very rare. Uh, and exciting when that happens. It only happens uh, once in a in a blue moon, but uh, I want to talk about uh, growing up with you and and you and and your journey and and all that. So anyway, thanks so much for wanting to do this. Um, you're a massive video game guy. It's like I am to film as you are to video games. I tell everybody that you're an expert, and you keep my foot in the toe in the water per se in terms of video game awareness and knowledge because I. Couple times a year, usually your birthday and, and and Christmas. Now you probably have way more money than me and don't need me to buy you stuff anymore. But I still like get you a gift because you know it's cool. So I'm researching the cool video games and all that. So I have a kind of keep a toe in the water, and I occasionally do dabble. And I've actually recently got back into gaming, which we'll talk a little bit more later. But anyway, welcome to the show. Tell tell us about you, man. Well, uh, as you may be aware, I am your brother, and I have been for my whole life. What? And it's, it's been good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we've made it this far. Yeah, so successful. <laughs> we, we, we haven't made it this far. Killed each other yet, which is great. Oh, I, I, I gotta, I gotta. I really appreciate the wonderful, kind words and your experience and understanding of breadth of knowledge and able to interpret and analyze movies and other uh, media dwarfs my ability on gaming. So. I want to let you know that I, I'm a washed-up husband. You know, I mean, I, with with the kids running around, I, I play when I can, and I'm happy to go see a movie. And I, growing up a gamer, uh, I, I have uh, you and my and our and our parents, not just mine, uh, to thank for that. Uh, as as you may remember, we got a Nintendo for Christmas when I was turning three. So that was remember. my like first like vivid memory of anything is like our grandmother. Uh, playing world-class track meet and duck hunt and the original <laughs> Mario. And I, I remember <laughs> yeah. distinctly, I'm not kidding, dying over and over again on the first Goomba in Mario, like that first one, right? Because I didn't have the hand-eye coordination to jump. Like I couldn't even do such a thing because I was like not even three years old. Um, and I just 
you know, thought that this was life. Like I was handed a control, <laughs> right? This is video. <laughs> this is what it is. And, I have had it, um, kid. Yeah, here, here it is. It's like, okay, you're Gianni, but this is Mario, right? Like that's uh, right. <laughs> like, he's better than you. And um, <laughs> that was my that was my initial experience. And then I remember when I was a little bit older, you came home for your birthday and you got the Legend of Zelda gold cartridge. And I remember being. Uh, yes. Given that you handed me that game, and I knew it was yours, but you handed me that game the way I believe Moses received the Ten Commandments. Like I just knew it was like <laughs> I just knew that this golden cartridge was it. And oh, that I, gold. it turns out, that gold. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, you know, fun fact, Andrew, I still have our original uh, Nintendo, and I still have that cartridge. Yes, so you really, really are a collector. You have all the systems. <laughs> uh, yes, Christmas 89, we got for Christmas, uh, like you're saying, you were three, I was five, I was about to turn six because my birthday is in early January. And Dad, I guess, thought that this this system, this game, which probably cost, I mean, how much do you think that all ran with the three-pack with Mario, Super Mario Brothers 1, Duck Hunt with the Zapper, and then World Class Track Meet with the Power Pad, which you could run on. And yes, I also, I'm so grateful I can remember that. And we still have the video somewhere. And Dad backed all that up to DVD years ago. They were all in VHSs of all those home movies. But I just remember the family getting so into it. And um, our cousins, Mark and Vincent, they they had a Nintendo. So I remember seeing it over their place in their basement before we got ours. So those memories go back pre-five years old for me, pre-three for you, which is crazy. It was really formative stuff here that we're talking about which is going to weave into the movie talk later, but I'll never forget that. And then, yeah, it was my birthday, and it was like, well, do you want to get a game for your birthday? And then I'll remember being in Toys R Us, which doesn't exist anymore. And they, at the time, I mean, when they were the thing, they sold video games. And I'll, I don't remember shopping or browsing much. All I remember was me and Mom, all right, which one do you want, this game or this game? And it was Super Mario Brothers 3 which was massively hot. And, you know, we had one, so I was like, all right. And I think oh, we, had a, we had a babysitter who had two, so we had some exposure to two. So I was like, oh, three. And then everyone at school is talking about three because three is arguably still the, maybe the greatest, quote-unquote. But anyway. Um, and it was between that and Legend of Zelda. And as you said, the gold case was the tiebreaker factor. And I went with that. And then I'll never forget not even really knowing how to do it and sitting there with mom figuring it out, going through the rule book. She's got it open. And I'll never forget just sitting in the, the little room there and, um, you know, trying to figure it out. And then I would go to, like, camp or after school at Montessori. We'd have what's called preschool and after school, which you recall. And I have to give a shout-out to Mark Bumgardner, who I continue to think I got to look this guy up and, like, write him an email and thank him for everything. He taught us how to play Magic the Gathering. He taught us how to play, like, Hero Quest. He probably played Dungeons and Dragons. He was one of those guys that was just like into fantasy and into stuff. And we would hang out and basically wait to be picked up by our parents who were working way too many hours and they were grinding. And uh, they had their travel business in the early 90s and they'd drop us off. And (laughs) we would hang out and somebody had a Nintendo Power magazine. It was like, I'm going to pretend I'm the spiky guy and I'm going to pretend I'm the, the, the beetle and I'm going to pretend I'm a Koopa Trooper and we would like role play and we'd look at the levels and I remember looking at the levels and the maps and being like oh I've never I've never even gotten anywhere near this part but anyway 
I remember being like, oh, I wanted Mario 3 too, but Zelda became my favorite. And then I remember we got the uh, sheets. I don't I didn't, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but we used to have the, like the sheets that would go on the pillows and the pillowcase. One side was Mario, one side was, was Zelda. And I remember it was scratchy. And uh, I'm giving you a lot here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I had a, a thumb-sucking habit for a long time, and I would scratch the scratchy part of the Zelda, <laughs> you know, graphic on the, the pillowcase, and then I would suck my thumb at the same time. Anyway, I, uh, I totally forgot about that, and I vividly <laughs> remember it now. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Memory lane. So anyway, uh, Dad thought, and maybe he's kicked himself after the fact, but he thought this would teach us um, persistence, tenacity, because, you know, you, you get the game, you, you die. Oh, well, let me try again. Let me, I, fell, I fell in the giant hole because I got to run and jump, and I remember being stuck on that, uh, was it 8-1? Level eight one from Super Mario one. Anyway, we had to make the big jump, and I just remember dying. Yeah, and dying there and were dying two big. There were two big jumps in eight one. So right, that's the the reward for the first big jump is the second big jump. It's another bigger, harder, bigger jump. But yeah, and I think I think he succeeded because we were very persistent and we loved it. And we he thought, oh man, what have I what have I done? This is Pandora's box. Um, but he thought, you know, this is this is good for kids to practice. Getting back up on the horse, you fall. You get back up on the horse, you fall. You, you know, what have you. So, Dad, thanks for exposing us and greenlighting the, you know, whatever three, four hundred dollars. <laughs> I, I, I should look up what a in nineteen eighty nine what a Nintendo system. I, ran. I I believe a Nintendo system ran for about a hundred and ten dollars at launch. Oh. So that was a few years before that. Okay. And. Uh, so I would imagine he probably spent, you know, anywhere from one to two hundred and fifty dollars on everything, which probably translates. And I remember looking this up before, but I think it translates to anywhere from three to five hundred dollars now. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that's like 80s so, money. That's uh, that's like a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and think about it. Like if you say five hundred dollars for like a game system and some games and, and, and whatever, it's like, well, video games are mainstream. Right. Like. Back then, it was like, what are you, some idiot just throwing money down the drain? You need to put it on the stock market. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that was the, you need to put it all into the into banks. <laughs> you know, right, right, the, right, right. Invest. That was the mentality back then. You What's know? the line from The Graduate? Um, Plastics. Plastics. Yeah, um, right. Um, but, you know, and then, like, it kept going. Like, And, and you, you you remember, the, the rule in the house was very simple, right? So our, our father always wanted to make sure that Video games were used to drive real-world skills. And he had no idea mm -hmm. to what degree that would actually end up being true. Um, and one of the things that he really wanted to teach us was, like, how to save up for stuff. So we were allowed to buy anything we wanted in the video game world, provided that we saved up the money for it ourselves. Right. So Andrew and I saved our $2 a week. We both got two, $2, right. $2 a week. Was it like Friday? $2 Friday, we, Friday was payday? Friday was allowance day and we got $2 a week and we saved up for a $130 Sega Genesis. So it took us literally forever, like months, right? Yeah. So you figure at $4 a week, $130 plus a few, you know, 10 to $15 bonuses for it. I want to say it took us close to a year. And it's like, if you picture a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, squirreling money away in a little tissue box that's what we had and, and this I was this was for the genesis right 
This was for the Genesis, and we were two dollars yeah. away. Mm-hmm. And Andrew and I each had two dollar bills that we were given from our late grandmother at the time she had already passed away. Oh my goodness! Well, thank and you. And Andrew thank convinced her again. me to <laughs> use the that two dollar bill to be the one that get us. That was like Genesis. I was like, if we do that, then we're there. We've made it. We had our we're like there. goal. We did. We have a. It was a little desk in the in the basement. We had a basement growing up on the very East Coast thing. You don't see that out here in, in Los Angeles, but. On the East Coast, we had, you know, you have your basement, and that became our, our lair, our, our rec room, our, our domicile. And uh, we had, a, like, a school desk or something. I remember a school desk with a top that opened up. So it was, like, a chair, and then it was a desk, and then in the desk was a tissue box. And then we used, basically, this tissue box as our bank, which we would deposit these. It was a secret bank, too. You actually had to pull the tissues out. Right. So it was like a hidden. It was like a hidden thing. I forgot about that. And uh, yeah, and That's the, the two dollars from from our grandmother um, that had passed away. This was one of the only things that I had from her. Andrew convinced me to use it to buy on the Sega, and I never regretted it. And now, when I think back on it, like purchasing that Sega was one of the most empowering moments in my life. It was oh, like wow. I saved up for this thing. Yeah, I can do anything. And now my grandmother's with me. It's like a thing, like she was a part of it, mm. you know. Um, so you know, and then we went from there, and we went to the, the Sonic games, and then we went to the Evolution, and that was the thing. Is like I thought that gaming was just part of life. I just thought it was part of the world, right? And and that is how. I mean, like, three years old is, and I mean, me for five. I don't remember. I mean, pre five is is pretty fuzzy, and I I don't remember a life without without this. You know, I don't. No, no, I don't. And not only is, is I, I thought that because I was in the world, I thought this was the way of things. Like, right. you're getting bigger. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're getting older. The video games are getting better, just like they always have been. Like, I just, it just was like, I right. never thought anything of it. Right. It's you know? life. And This is the way yeah, of the world. Life. This and, is the way. And that's how I, like, related to people. Like, if you weren't playing video games, I didn't know anything about you. I didn't understand you. It was like... And my circle of friends, I had a few friends that I don't. I don't trust games. you. Like, I don't trust you. What do you What do you mean? It's What's like, going on behind the like, behind those eyes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, I was the one who had a Game Boy in school, like sneaking rounds of Mortal Kombat when I was like six, seven years old. You know, um, and it, it kept going from there. And when I got to be a little bit older, like in my teenage years, I realized that I was pretty much able to explain just about anything to anyone if they had played video games. Right. So if they were a gamer and they didn't understand a concept, you could break it I'd down. I'd be like, oh, it's it's like in Medal of Honor when you're trying to do this thing, or it's like in Madden when you have to coordinate this thing, or it's like in you know. <laughs> and now that video games are all encompassing, that has actually continued, where it's like. Now, many more people play games, and the depth and breadth of knowledge. Like, you can explain economics to a, to a kid, which I have done because of the Diablo 3 auction house. You can literally <laughs> talk about supply, demand, market shifts, what patch updates do to shifting aggregate supply and aggregate demand. You can do it all with Diablo now. It's like, it, because it's a game and you're gamifying it. So I, I, I found that gaming allowed me to, to communicate and relate to the world, and it hasn't stopped. And now with, like, ranked gaming and all these other things, it's like you can literally, you like, create a whole tapestry of the ways that humanity interacts depending on which game you're talking about. Because at this <laughs> I love point, it. it's, it's very, they're, 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 they overlap quite a bit. 
Yeah, and, and we were really the generation that got to see like the introduction of playing games online and interacting on the internet and the world. And I remember, you know, off and on, violence and violence in games, they would crack down. And I remember the PTA would be meeting about it in the elementary school, and there would be all these like talks of, you know, and we were kind of right on the cusp as these games were coming out. And um, one of our absolute favorite games, that another game that you completely met. See, I would buy a game, and then Johnny would would kill it and master it and beat it. And I used to get kind of mad about it, but then I was like, you know what? This is what it is. I'm glad someone's getting I did, the, I did the mileage out of it here. To make you mad sometimes. I did do it yeah. to make you mad sometimes. Not gonna lie. Yeah, that's <laughs> that competitive spirit that we've we've always shared as brothers that are only two years apart. Um, but I've learned to uh, appreciate your gifts and talents and abilities, and you know you were putting your energy there and you were killing it. But uh, Doom, I'll never forget. We were over. <laughs> we were at a church. We were at a church get together, and uh, our our friend uh, Graham Resnick, who actually ended up working on one of his movies uh, in the late aughts, he was upstairs, uh, just kind of sequestered away up there, and he was playing Doom and Wolfenstein, if I recall. He kind of switched back and forth. And we were so taken by it. And then we were like, we need this, we need this, we need this. And that was, call it, 93, 92? So I want to say, yeah. yeah, Christmas of 93, which is now 30 years ago. Uh, well, will be 30 years this coming Christmas. We're in April now. But we were so taken by this. And then we couldn't stop. It was another, like, iteration of, oh, my God, this is, like you said before, it was like, all right, we got NES, then we got Genesis, and then blah, blah, blah. We're like, this is where it's at, Doom, and we just thought the graphics, and they were, they were, they were insane. Like the three D mapping, you know, it was a first person shooter where you walk around corridors and tunnels, and you know, and there's monsters and you're killing them, and you have to survive and get the keys you need to get through the get through the level and blah blah blah. But uh, you want to talk about Doom a little bit? Uh, only always forever. Yeah. So um, uh, Doom was the first game that scared me like mm -hmm. scared it it was like i was right at that age where i like was being introduced to death as a concept and i remember watching that game and it looked like r real life and i was like this is terrifying so of course i wanted to play it and Naturally, it was like yeah it was called like, knee deep in the dead and and like right you know the, the campaign names where, each one had like a name yeah yeah and par parents had no idea how to control this, had no idea. And, like, our, our parents did the best thing of trying to communicate, like, you know, fiction from reality. And I, I can explain this very clearly. So, yes, Doom was terrifying. However, I knew it wasn't real. And when, you know, people like, oh, video games and violence and blah, 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 and all that stuff, I'm like, listen, there is no difference when you play a video game and you're seeing that kind of thing then turning on Looney Tunes and seeing Wiley e. Coyote being smashed to death by an anvil. Like I saw that too, but nobody seemed to have a problem with that because it was tongue in cheek. Right. But it's like, Hey, I've seen like this person die all the time and that person explode and Elmer Fudd get a shotgun to the face. No one, you know, no, no, no one cried a tear. Poor, for Elmer Fudd. poor Elmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but with doom, it was like, it was a thing, and I, and I sort of get it at the time. Now the numbers are in, and without going down the rabbit hole, there is no correlation between violence in video games and violent tendencies in people. You can look that up at your leisure. Um, the, so playing Doom, it was like, this is the thing. And if you look at other games of that era, nothing compared graphically, nothing compared in terms of gameplay. 
of course you had to have a pc so now it's like oh we, we don't have a pc what's a pc like what's a computer what is shareware yeah you know? and we're like and mom like, and dad we need words. this thing so we can get doom you know basically exactly and they're like oh what's doom oh like, shareware oh, right <laughs> i haven't heard that word yeah, in a while remember, like yeah we got a if i recall there was um so it was like a 486e or something like that if i recall was the computer it was like an, it was a Mac. No, I'm sorry. It was a, a Windows computer, PC, right? And there was a like a booklet that came with it, of, you know, almost like the old credit card, you know, uh, like the plastic things refoldable. The credit cards like it could just unfold, and it was all these CD-ROMs, and one yeah, of them was Challenge and right, right, right. Yeah, know. yeah. Stellar Seven. <laughs> Stellar Seven. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was a winner. Where's Stellar Six? Yeah, what happened in one through six? Yeah, <laughs> I guess I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. we gotta look that up. But yeah, I mean, it was a part of us, and it's a part of everybody. But I think that not everybody, but like you said, I like I love what you said about it being just like breathing air. You know, video games are with us; they're everywhere now. Um, but you took your daughter Francesca, who's now seven, to see the Super Mario Brothers movie now two weeks ago. On its opening weekend, we're going into its third weekend. It's continuing to dominate the box office. But I got a, a text from you and some photos of Frankie seeing her very first movie in the movie theater, which I'm still getting a little misty when I hear about it, and see the photo of her with the popcorn. And, and then she called, and she was all wired and having a good time. And you know, you, you're like, all right, we're going to go for it. We're going to drink soda, and we're going to have popcorn, and we're going to do it right. But you said, Andrew, this is the movie we're going to talk about. And I, I'm still reeling from that, G, and thank you so much. It made my month, year, life, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to talk about, you know, experiencing that movie with her at the same time, what she got out of it, what you got out of it, and just talking about the generational baton that this movie is obviously doing at the box office. It's, it's got something for everybody. It had a monster opening at like 140 almost 150 and then it, it opened up early because it was Easter weekend and I think it did darn near 200 million Wednesday to Saturday night which is monstrosity it's second weekend oh so it beat the it beat the weekend numbers of Frozen 2 for best animated global and also it's sophomore weekend outdid expectations they were thinking maybe somewhere around 75 80 it did like 93 or 4 million here in the states dethroning Frozen 2 again for the sophomore weekend. Anyway, it's obvious that this is resonating, and I believe it has a lot to do with the fact that it brings up the kids in you and I, and it brings up the kids in the kids. <laughs> so <laughs> It brings the kids out. <laughs> it brings the kids out, and like any good animated movie, you got to have something for the adults who are the ones that you know drive the kids to the theater, <laughs> get them there. So they're not just sitting there like, oh, this is just a bunch of, you know. Like, it can't just be a series of Easter eggs and nods. Obviously, that's a big part of it. There are breakdown videos now where you could look at every frame of this movie and you know, that from that game, that from that game. You probably caught a lot more than I did. My Mario experience is pretty limited to the mostly the first few games. Um, I really haven't dabbled. I actually have a few questions for you for where a couple characters come from and whatnot. But yeah, I, I, I just kind of walk us through what it was like to experience this, I'm going to say a masterpiece. I love it. I know you love it too. I've seen it twice now in 3D, and I just, my face hurts from smiling when I'm done. 
watching this movie. But I just, oh, I'm still reeling from you reaching out to me, man. Thank you, brother. What a gift. Oh, well, you're absolutely welcome. And uh, thanks for having the, a podcast that I could just shamelessly invite myself on. So <laughs> really appreciate that as well. You know, it, it really turned into a, a great spot and it, and it really was needed. Uh, for a long time so I was happy to be a part of that with you as well um, well I've been a Mario and Nintendo fan since you know I was three years old and I have played just about every major installment of Mario I'm missing a few um, and I, wow. I own every Nintendo system that produced a major installment of Mario mm. uh, still and I routinely revisit them um, and so that's that's not holding a comment for those that are like Nintendo fan people so what was cool about this is I started introducing Frankie to Mario with Mario Maker. And I was making, you can make little Mario levels in oh, that game. And right. I would make her little levels and she would play them. And now she makes her own levels. And and wow. if she wants to make a level, I insist, if she wants to make like a, like a real level, I insist that she draw it out first. So she like draws out the levels and then makes the levels. Sometimes she just makes the levels, right? I can't mm -hmm. tell her what to do all the time, but like she, right. she'll draw out the levels. So she's all, she's already hooked on Mario. That's such a creative, constructive act, too. Which is... I, I, I was thrilled that such a thing existed. I mean, like, right. And it's, it's if you're not familiar with Mario Maker, you can make and play levels that are that are made by uh, anyone. And now there's so much Mario content out there, you can literally get Mario Maker, and you're buying an infinite supply of Mario. Right for you know 60 bucks and it's it's, it's the it's the game. the classic style where it's the side scroller it's element. side scroller and it rotates through like mario 3 mario 1 uh mario 3d world uh wow. our new super mario brothers graphics it cycles through all oh, that okay stuff. so you got multiple and kind of generations pump, pumping into yes it. and there's a hundred levels that come with the game that are made by the developers and then there's the infinite content out there 100 I think it's a hundred. That's um, a lot. Yeah. So anyway, Mario Maker, highly recommend. So she was playing that, and then the preview for the Mario movie came out, and of course Frankie's like, "I want to see it! I want to see it!" And I was like, "I want to mm. see it! I want to see it!" You know. And then I was like, "All right, Frankie, if you can sit and watch a movie at home without making me wish." That I uninstalled you. <laughs> uh, we can go uh, like to the a movies, like right? a dry run per se. <laughs> yeah, let's let. So we landed on the Sonic movie. Okay. She did such oh. a good job with the Sonic movie, which I really enjoyed. another video game uh, franchise. We, we watched the second. Yeah, that was it was the, the, It's got that's. I wanted her to see like not a kids movie, not an adult. Like I wanted to see something in between, right? So Sonic was a great middle ground, and we ended up watching Sonic too, and she nailed it. And I was like, all right, you're ready for the movies. So we painstakingly waited for this movie to come out. And um, she was so very excited. Wow. And when we get there, the people in line are all dressed like Mario stuff. And she goes right up to some people and she tells them who they are. Like, you're Princess Peach, you're Luigi, you're this, you're that. And I said, get a picture with Mario. So, like, she gets this jumping picture with Mario. And, like, I don't go to the movies much. And um, I am a bit of a, you know, I, I try to eat healthy and try to stay in shape. And I was like, listen... We're going to throw all that out the window. We're going to get the biggest bucket of popcorn. It's going to be bigger than you. We're going to get the butter. And we're going to get a bunch of crunch, and we're going to pour it in there. Because that's how you do popcorn right in my world. It's the, You get that chocolate. You get that butter. You get that sweet oh, and salty. Goodness. And I said, and you mm. get her favorite soda is Sprite. Like, that's her favorite soda. I think it's the only soda she's ever had. And I was like, you get as much Sprite <laughs> as you want. 
and, uh, infinite refills. <laughs> you get whatever. I don't care. And so she sits down with this giant bowl of popcorn that's like bigger than. I know the photo. The photo is. is incredible. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like you know, I, I can't even. It, it's like if a baby was like holding an NFL-sized football. Like it's like <laughs> hilarious to see. And the second the movie starts, she's hooked. And she's sitting next to this um, another teenage girl is there. And there were actually tons of kids in the audience, which was great. And this, cool. every single time Frankie did anything, like, she got attention from the people around her. Because, like, everybody sees this girl who's, like, who's experiencing this Mario movie for the first time. And she's experiencing what we have been thinking our whole lives. Like, we know Mario is awesome, but to, to put Mario in a crucible and distill it down to, like, this little movie that can give you every single thing that Mario has to offer aside from the gameplay in a visual experience that can then be passed on to kids and adults is where I totally agree. They, it was masterfully put together. Yes. And the entire time she's, she's laughing at everything and I'm laughing cause she's laughing. And you know, at the, you know, there's moments where it's just so awesome. And I was just like, getting i i literally like she laughed at this one thing and was like so excited i i may not have cried i think you cried i didn't um that may not have happened and it was, it was a i i i i didn't cry i didn't i didn't you cried i cried <laughs> i didn't cry i don't cry. i've never cried. i had them removed i had them removed <laughs> and i still cried <laughs> yeah no i i love this so much yeah it it really yeah to kind of give you my experience the first time seeing it the second time i went by myself and i just wanted to hunker down and get as much as i could for the podcast but the first time i was just like let's experience this and it was uh it was four of us and we're all like late 30s early 40s people and uh we heard the kids behind us but we were we were the farthest forward i think we were in like the fifth row so we're in like the first chunk the first section and then there's the little aisle there and then the everybody else and I heard kids laughing, um, but only once we stopped laughing at everything and loving. I mean, we were kids again. We were so loud. We were way louder than the kids in the theater. Like, we were like, oh, my God, clapping, cheering, laughing. And this movie really isn't just fan service. It is such a good story, and it has such good hero's journey archetypes. It has such good character arcs and the characters all have substance and we'll probably just have to go through the one by one. Um, so we've got Mario and Luigi. So Mario is voiced by Chris Pratt and Luigi is Charlie Day. And these two were great and they really felt like brothers. And I couldn't stop thinking about UG the whole time because the, the brothers mentality is so strong. We open with the commercial for these plumbers in Brooklyn. So we're set in Brooklyn. And we even hear Don't Sleep Till Brooklyn, which is great, given, you know, the soundtrack was really good. There was songs from the 80s, songs from the 90s, songs from now, all over the place. So, again, that generational kind of smattering that we've got going on here, Passing the Baton was even there in the soundtrack. But we open up on a commercial. And I know there was this big chat for months about Chris Pratt playing him. Oh, he's going to do the Mario voice. It's a me, a Mario. Are we, you know, we going to hear that? And you and I are Italian descent. And as much as I love some of our stereotypes and how they're like, you, you know, great food and all that, I'm like, I really don't think I can sit through a whole, it's a me, a Mario kind of style. 
But what they did was so great. And I was glad when they said that they didn't land on that. Although, of course, there was a lot of backlash on the internet. Like, oh, you're not going to do the Mario voice? <laughs> that's, that's terrible. What the heck? But they did it so well in the beginning where we see the commercial. And they have the voices on, the Italian-American voices. And they get to do it. And they're like, you got a problem? We're plumbers. Come get us. for the Mario. with the Super Mario Brothers, you know. And they got their outfits, which they catered and they tailored to create this image. Because they're like, we got a market. you got to have a, a market share. And you got to have a, you know, you got to have a thing. you got to have a niche. And they do it. And it's hilarious. And they get the Mamma Mia's in there. And they get the, oh, my God, you know. They get all that in there. And then pull back, kind of like movie in a movie. We pull back. And now we're with the Mario Brothers watching their commercial that they just produced. And Mario says, oh, man, we spent all this money on that, but it's, it's great. And then Luigi's like, cinema, this is cinema. Or was it the other way around? I think Mario says, this is cinema. And then they're just kind of regular New York accents, Brooklyn accents. And you get to buy the kind of stereotypical over-the-top Italian. Hey, hey, hey. You know, you get that, but then you don't have to do that the whole movie, which would be very tiresome. And also borderline, you know, <laughs> intolerant racism. <laughs> Yeah, uh, right. But yeah, um, I want to talk a little bit about growing up Italian. And how did that affect kind of your lens going into this piece? Were, were some of those things swirling around your head when you went in? Oh, I mean, absolutely. And, and like, the, 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 thing, the thing is, growing up Italian is we were one of the groups that it was okay and still remains to be okay to make fun of or, like, use caricatures or whatever. And... You know, right. largely, I don't know many Italians, if any, that, that care. And the reality is uh, most of the stereotypes about Italians are, like, pretty awesome. It's like, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. you're, 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 you're good at cooking. You eat a lot. You love your red wine. Um, you know, like, maybe your family's in the mob. But people are too scared to actually check because it might actually be true. Because <laughs> what if like, they're right? These are, what if they're right? Like, these are some of the... These and they're going to get whacked. <laughs> Yeah, and, and even some of the ones that are like not so good are still awesome. Like it's like, oh, your your dandruff is probably Parmesan cheese. I'm like, you would be so lucky if that were true. I could just walk around and be like, yeah, there you go, there it is. You know, so yeah. If my like, dandruff was Parmesan, I probably wouldn't have to work. You open up your restaurant, you know, your resource coffee. You know, so just bottle that right away. Mario being the way that he was, like even when it's like it's a me, a Mario. Like for me, it's like look. I don't know any Italians that like walk around talking that way, like here, um, you know, in back in the old country, like they're, they're not doing that. It's beyond just a stereotype and like, whatever to have sat through an entire movie of that would have been awful. And like, the reason why it worked before is because Mario like never talks. He's not having full blown conversations where <laughs> right. he's talking about like the challenges of growing up as somebody. Monologues. He's not, like, oh, and then the daddy didn't give me the thing, so I can go and do the <laughs> like that. That never happened in a Mario movie. Most of the time, it's just text, or he doesn't talk. Yeah, what's the, what's like, the first good. one where he actually talks? The first one where he goes like, "It's a me, a Mario." Yeah, like is Mario sixty four, and he would just say, oh, wow. "Let's go," and he would go. <laughs> and that's all he ever says. Like he doesn't actually say anything of value, right? right. So it, I do remember. Um, I do remember this typing game where you, it was Mario teaches typing. Do you remember this? You ever had this? Of course, of course. And Mavis Beacon. Yeah, right and there. and <laughs> and when the game when the game started and it was it would say it's a me, a Mario, and it was a computer lab in our elementary school. And I by the end of the day, by the end of the the, the 
the 45 minutes or whatever, the end of the period, everyone's saying it. And then it'd be like, oh, Andy, Andrew's Italian. Oh, it's a me. And I was like, oh, this is too much. I don't like this anymore. It, like, it crossed the line <laughs> for me. Um, it was it was always kind of a it was always a duality because I was like oh yeah like you said there it's cool to have things that people are like oh yeah this is part of it but then as it's gotten older I mean you are an amazing cook you're one of the best cooks I've ever met I like I cook very 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 simple things like I'll make like a protein and a salad and you know maybe some rice if I'm feeling like super fancy <laughs> you know um, I rarely eat pasta on my own I rarely even go to Italian restaurants and order pasta. Uh, it's it's called a stereotype, but there is this rich tradition that we are part of. And, and mom and dad, you know, they weren't from Italy, but grew up in Little Italy in Delaware, and it is a rich tradition. And we are so tight, and the familial bond that we have is so tight. And I remember leaving to come out to Los Angeles, or originally to New Mexico after college. Um, I also left to go to Florida for college, and that was tough. But then it was like I came back, and then I had to leave again, and it was hard. And it, it still continues to be tough to be kind of far away. And I miss out on some of the day-to-day, although we're still very tight and we have great chats. And I come back quite often. If, if you looked at most of my airfare, it's mostly to go back to Delaware to see everybody you know, a couple times a year and coming back in June. And then we're actually going to Italy uh, into June. So we got that. That'll be my first time. And then we're all going together. So it's going to be wonderful. I'm so excited. And um, anyway... I love the Italian familial tightness that we have, and I, I do very much appreciate it. And I love a good red wine and pasta, I'm not going to lie. But I think this movie gave it to us so well and made these characters so more or less real. I mean, yes, it's a 3D animated movie. It's, 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 a, you know, it's animation. Um, the Illumina- Illumination is the company, and they've done, like, Minions and um, uh, what's that other one with... Uh, Oh, geez. Uh, Despicable Me, all those. Anyway, so they have created this rich other world that is so real, and the characters are so well mapped out. And I think if the character anchors weren't so strong, it wouldn't work so well. But this journey is about two guys that want to be brothers in business together. And they said their their slogan from, from almost the beginning is, if we stick together, it'll be fine. Like, that was their mantra. And they, then they get, uh, they get their first job from their commercial, and then they go, and it's like they got to fix a sink. But the plumbing is starting to get out of whack, and it's crazy. And then all of a sudden, it's like erupting into this massive leak, and it almost seems much more uh, systemic, like something big is really going on in the plumbing underbelly of, of New York. Something as big is happening here. And it starts to have a very Ghostbusters edge and I found myself thinking a lot about Ghostbusters but then they get basically a, a rip in, in space time and the fabric of the dimensional borders and barriers rips open and our heroes Mario and Luigi brothers get sucked into another dimension and then it's this Alice in Wonderland and fish out of water but what the movie does so geniusly is split them up and immediately Mario goes to the uh, Mushroom Kingdom. But poor old Luigi got the other tunnel. He got the one on the right. The one on the right's bad, ladies and gentlemen. 
One on the right takes you smack dab into Bowser's Lair domain. Uh, so basically, he gets captured by Bowser's forces and is held captive there. And Mario is the one who has to, I gotta find my brother, can anybody help? And then he links up with Toad, um, who's kind of the Virgil guide, played by Keegan-Michael Kay of Key and Peel. So hilarious, you know, amazing. And these guys, are we're seeing them do a lot of dramatic roles too, so they've got the chops. But Toad is another kind of emblematic of the little guy, right? You know, he's a little dude, but he rises up and he's like, I'm brave and I'm... He's actually not brave. He's quite scared, but he says he's brave and he just commits to it and it's like rising above that. Uh, and then we get... Um, so, yeah, so Toad's kind of the guy to first, and then Toad brings Mario to Peaches, Princess, Princess Toadstool, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. And I really wanted to ask you about this character, for example, because in the original game, it's, she's very much, you know, you're Mario and Luigi, and you're trying to get to the damsel in distress, played by, you know, not played by, but she's pixels but there's this kind of element of like classic you know damsel in distress no real kind of arc no real story there which they completely do away with in this and she is she was like tarzan kind of situation where she's raised by them and she's awesome she's a badass she can fight she's actually like becomes the mentor to mario to like learn all the powers um i just think it's so great that we get the strong female character here that isn't like your typical damsel in distress. Um, has Frankie picked up on any of these, any of these themes? Has she, is she kind of, does she like Peaches? How does she feel about Peaches versus Mario or does she more, more of a Mario fan? Uh, well, she, first of all, she absolutely is affected by who the, uh, the characters are in the in the shows and movies and whatever she's doing she's very yeah. aware when she's playing as a male or a female mm -hmm. uh, my first example of this was actually a movie where we're watching ghostbusters the originals and and she's like daddy do they make a ghostbusters with girls and oh i was like goodness. as a matter of fact they do <laughs> and we watched that one wow uh, mccarthy and company and uh thor uh, <laughs> Chris, uh, yeah. the other, the other Chris, one of the Chris's. <laughs> yeah, one of those guys. I um, and so you know, same with games. So like, we played Horizon Zero Dawn, where she, like not much of it, but she played the game where she's like crawling around as Aloy. And so when it comes to seeing like you know strong female protagonists, it absolutely resonates with with people and 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 girls everywhere. I would imagine. Yeah. And so um, Frankie doesn't really like necessarily quote unquote have a favorite. However, whenever mm -hmm. she's making a character, she will always make a female character. Right. Right. So she makes characters in games. One of her favorite things to do is to make up little characters in the games that we have because everything is super customizable. And it's actually funny when like, she'll be like, Daddy, I want to play Bloodborne. And I used to be like, well, you can't play Bloodborne. And then like she like nagged me so much. I was like, fine. And I handed her the controller. Yeah. And she starts making a character for like an hour. Wow. Like the dress up doll character in Bloodborne, because like the first thing you do is make a character, and she's sitting there customizing right. 
the hair and the face and the body and the this and she's like holding her skin up to the screen to make sure the skin tone is just right and like what i was what i'm amazed by is these games allow for this level of customization so of course she's going to see this movie and see uh princess peach who is the most powerful person in the movie without power-ups like she is the strongest one and so like to see her flipping around every single time you can see her face light up she like she wasn't like I want to be Princess Peach, but she's like I also want to be a badass. I also want to right. do all these things. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also be elegant, and beautiful, oh. and smart, and a leader. You know, like these are all things that she identifies with. Yeah, yeah. So, I like yeah, the I like that you say that because yes, yeah, she's she's beautiful and she's smart and and she she's very prince. You know, she's very regal, right? She's a princess. But then when it comes down to it, man, she can pick her dress up and jump around. And, you know, she teaches Mario the how to eat the mushroom to get big and, you know, all about the, the power-ups and whatnot. And there's a great conversation when uh, Mario is, man, he's, this is so new to him. And this is a whole new world, literally. And he's struggling and he's struggling and he's struggling. And then he's like, what is it? He, he asks her, like, oh, did you get this on the first try? And she says, uh... No, no, no. Well, yeah, yeah. But 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 I grew <laughs> well, up. Yeah. But I grew up here, <laughs> you know. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. So she she has this kind of like. She's proud, but she's not pompous, right? She's regal, but she can get her hands dirty. She's a leader, and she's courageous. But she knows when she needs help. She knows that they need. They need help to beat Bowser. So, all right, let, let's go over to Bowser. So, Bowser, man, I've, I've worked with Jack Black, and whenever I just, he, it's been a couple of years since I've seen him in anything, and whenever, he, whenever he's anything, in anything, he just completely dominates, and he's just such a great, funny personality. He's such a nice human. I got to hang out with him and work with him, and he's, he's just very sweet, and he's a dad as well, and he's great. And I think he breathed so much life into this character, obviously all, vo- all voice, but the movie opens with him, like, on the march with his armies, and he's, he's got the kaiju Godzilla flame breath, which he has in the original game, but he's, he's roasting these guys, and he's like, and he's got the deep voice, and he's like, surrender or die, you know. Basically like the Roman armies, you know, just conquering and conquering and conquering. But then we get to see this other side of him, that he actually has like a tender kind of warm side to him, where he just wants to marry Peaches, you know. He doesn't care Is about that all. Con- yeah, that, that's all. And, and conquer the whole world. But, you know, you could see that there's like great villains have something about them that makes them real, that makes them human. They're not just, you know, maybe there's a few examples of like classic just we're bad, like Sauron from Lord of the Rings, per se. Or, you know, they're more, they're more like an emblem of evil. They represent pure evil. Like Michael Myers from Halloween. He, he represents evil. He's an avatar for evil. But most fleshed-out villains are woven better and performed better because there is a humanity to them. And in their mind, they're not the bad guy. When you ask a bad guy if they're a bad guy, they're, not, they're the good guy. And he just wants the girl, and he wants to rock. And he's got the, obviously, Jack Black can sing, you know, and you, echoes of Tenacious D. And the Peaches song is topping the billboards, by the way. I don't know if you saw. It's on, like, the top uh, of the dream. I, I did eventually see yeah and it, it, it's, crazy. it's not surprising right 
It's not surprising. It's not surprising. It's, it's so catchy. I mean, you hear people singing it on the way out the door when, you, when you've seen the movie. H, you're so cool. And with my star, we're gonna rule. Peach, understand. I'm gonna love you till the very end. Peaches, 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 peaches. Oh yeah. He's got the he's got the voice. He can really hit those notes. He can belt. He's he's a he's got that rock voice, um, and I kind of couldn't help but love him a little bit. You know, sure he's horrible, uh, and he's his warped kind of perspective on the world. But uh, at the end of the day, I, there was some a few moments where I really just kind of felt for him, like when it, when his uh, his aide like comes over and he's giving him the reports of like the fronts and you know what's going on with Princess Peach and. Oh, you think you think he likes this plumber guy? Uh, what, what do you? What, he's like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're getting along. He's like, oh, come here, sit, come jam with me. And it's just like he just wants a friend. He just wants a buddy. He's going about it obviously the completely wrong way, and he's not a good guy. But I, honestly, I was really like, I was like, okay, Jack Black's Bowser. I mean, that pumped me up so much. But man, he nailed it. So anyway, uh, Bowser's forces are coming towards the coming towards the kingdom, and they're like, man, we need an army. So the other fiefdom kingdom is uh, the Kongs, uh, led by Fred Armisen, Cranky Kong. Fred Armisen plays the voice. Amazing, obviously, SNL alum. Hilarious from Portlandia. You've seen him in a million things. Uh, he's a fantastic actor. He does it kind of like, oh, you know. He's kind of like a little bit of a New York Jew voice. But he does it, he does it very good, very tastefully. And... Um, he has, basically, they, they go there, and they're like, we need your help to fight this army. And they're like, why should we help you? And it's kind of one of those classics where it's like, this isn't our problem. This is your problem. But it's like, well, once, once Bowser's done knocking you guys down, he's just going to turn his sights on us. You know, it's like, stitching time saves nine. Let's, let's team up and stop him now before it's too late kind of thing. And it's a classic tale of conquering colonialism. Uh, the Avatar movies have kind of this element to them of the different kingdoms. But, you know, so they go there, and then it's like, all right, well, we'll give you your army, but you got to beat Mar your boy Mario here, who's a noob, obviously. It's got to beat DK, Donkey Kong, played by Seth Rogen. And it's this, like, Planet Hulk arena gladiator battle, and you're like, oh, man, um, this is going to be rough. Uh, uh, you know, Donkey Kong's kind of showboating, and Donkey Kong's like, stop showboating, and he's like, oh, they're here for me, they're here to see me, and, you know, blah, 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 we gotta give them what they want, and, uh, but then Cranky Kong's like, all right, well, to make it, like, so it's not gonna take two seconds before Donkey Kong destroys you, we're gonna put power-ups all over, so, which we've just gotten the sequence where Peach just shows Mario how to use power-ups and the boxes and all that, so he has a fighting chance, and then this fight is just great, and, you know, Mario gets pummeled for a while it's not going well but he gets pummeled so much that he gets uppercutted into the air so high that he finds a very 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 high box that has a cat suit and i wanted to ask you about this because i don't remember the cat suit from anything i thought it was the tanuki suit at first which we do get later but was it a cat suit is that from which game is that from 
Yeah, so uh, they one of the best parts about Mario, the games, is that they continuously reintroduce a, let's call it, formula in a completely new way just about every single time. It's very mm. seldom to have two Mario games that are very close, and if there's two, there's, there's, there's certainly not three, right? Um, so with the cats who was introduced in the uh, Mario 3D world, at least that's my earliest recollection of it. And like the whole thing about Mario is they've, they've constantly combined things that were like beautiful yet powerful and cute yet violent. And like, we all know cats in general are these cute little critters, but you know, kitty's got claws. So it's like all of a sudden Mario is in this cat suit. Yeah. And like the cat suit was one of the best suits. And with Mario 3d world, you could play with multiple people at the same time. And when you had, up to four people and when you had four people with cat suits clawing around clawing doing all these shenanigans oh my goodness it was a fun, it, it's a fun time and it's, it's a sight to see the cat moves around in this awkward kind of like cute little like a kitten would would run around not necessarily like a fully fledged cat mm-hmm. so like both paws are clawing at things and you know there's almost like an unbalance to it and so uh it has become like it's a very noticeable suit now, like the like the like the leaf, for example, like where you get the raccoon tail right. and the ears. Mm-hmm. So the cat suit is like a thing. So of course it was the cat suit because outside of uh, the star, the cat suit is one of the better uh, power ups that you can get within right. the game because now you can climb, you can dig at things, you can do lots of different things with the cat suit. So. Yeah, and, and I like how Seth Rogen and I, I, so I I didn't I've never played that game so I didn't know I was like oh is this a good suit is this a bad suit and Seth Rogen or sorry Donkey Kong is all ah, <laughs> you got the cat suit ah, you look so silly and then the audience and this is one of my favorite parts of the movie the audience is like oh and he kind of like you said he he turns into a kitten I guess like he's kind of licking himself he's like licking his paw kind of can't help himself he's like become a cat. And then the audience is like, oh, that's so adorable. But then, you know, Mr. Pompous Donkey Kong gets a whooping from said catsuit. Because, man, he's pouncing them all over. He's he's fast. He's super quick. And Donkey Kong is really, really fast. And he's really, really strong. But he's not as fast as a cat. And that's that's the turning point in the battle. And then then they beat him. And they're like, all right. Going to get the army. And then it's cool. Then we get, like, Donkey Kong working with them. And it's like, we're kind of, we're joining, we're kind of seven samurai. We're kind of going around and collecting the, the crew and the team. And we're building this, we're building this troop to go fight. And then we go into probably my favorite part of the movie. I, think, I feel like I keep saying that. Like, that was my favorite part. That was my favorite part. No, that was my favorite. This is probably my favorite part. And especially in 3D when we're on the Rainbow Road. And they're, they're basically, they pick, I guess, from um, Mario Kart, right? So they're like they're picking their their cars yeah. or whatever. And, and, that... and Rainbow Road is the level. It shows up in, in a number of other games. Oh, right. It's the level that just murders people. So like everybody knows when you're playing on Rainbow Road, you have to be serious because for the most part, there's no walls. You, you'll fly off. And I, every you'll time I play, off, it's, I... It's beautiful. I'm... And you're like the first Rainbow yeah. Road was, I want to say for Super Nintendo, I want to say it was the OG. And it's like you could just fly Mario off. Mario Kart 1. Yeah, so like I, I'm, uh, I'm not sure I'm, but, but at any rate, whenever you're playing Rainbow Road, it's typically one of the more fly offy levels. Right. And they had it in F Zero as well. Oh yeah, F Zero, which we loved, and F Zero GX. 
Uh, yeah, X or X, which were impossible. Yeah, which the actually, uh, F Zero GX turned twenty this year, and that was a fan favorite of yours. Oh my god! Oh yeah, I still haven't another, made another uh, one. My Rano Christmas uh, gift. Oh yeah, yeah. See, I uh, <laughs> I got. I one. remember when you gave it to me. I ignored all cleaning duties on Christmas morning to just play this game. I just played it over and over and over. No, <laughs> I, I, I was so. I'm always like, oh, I hope he likes it, because uh. my my buddy in um, college was really into it, and I was like, my brother's really serious about games. He's very very serious, very very good, and he. He puts the hours in. He works hard on them. He gets really into it. And, yeah, it ended up being a – I think you guys had an epic showdown, too, when you came out to Miami. And I was like, oh, my you God, know, you know, this is actually a pretty – this kind of experience doesn't happen in modern games anymore because back then that was still pre, the pre-internet for all systems. Right. So I had gotten good enough at F0G. And it wasn't like the, the world's most – like it wasn't like back then like only so many people had a GameCube. And so mm. I was playing it and playing it and playing it, and I was really good at it. And then I played him, and he kind of schooled me. Like, he, he kind of put me in my place, and I was like, I didn't know that there were people this good at this game that I knew. Right. So I then It opened up the floodgates. And it opened it up. I, I, I then became a junkie. I was obsessed with flying back. This was months apart, so it would be like anywhere from four to six months I would go without playing him. And I remember the showdown happened at his house, uh, and it, and his mother was there, and this was like you know she was very disinterested in the whole thing. It's like oh you're playing your games, and and when I beat him, even she was like, "You lost at this game, dear." <laughs> like she was like even she knew it was like. No, don't, don't get me wrong. He could still beat me too, but like it wasn't like you know he never you know, recovered we, we from that. We never we never heard from him again after that. So as a matter of fact, I, we never played again. I think that, that I think I think you broke him after that moment. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no, I remember uh, you were. I, I was you know I was rooting for you. You were my my horse in the race for sure. I was like, I hope Johnny can beat this guy because he was pretty arrogant. I, I remember there was there was one race where you had to literally do every single thing. You had to build a car specifically just so and do every single thing absolutely perfectly to qualify and i remember playing this one track it, it was at least 20 hours on one track any mistake you fly off the edge and the car itself was not designed to be very good at the race but it was the fastest car if you did everything correctly and i just sat there and did it because i had to beat him <laughs> I, I, that's it i can't even imagine doing that now except i do it all the time still yeah well Okay, yeah, I love this. Wow, these stories, man, bring me back. The nostalgia element is so strong. So anyway, they're they're on the Rainbow Road and they're they're going and they're like, all right, well, we're mobilizing. And uh, and then they get intercepted by Koopa's army on the Rainbow Road, and we have this. I know it's it's very much uh, nods to Mario Kart, but this scene becomes Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, it's Mad Max Fury Road up and down. You know, these Bowser's men show up with this giant, like, tr- tank truck with the big, like, sh- you know, spade shovel in the front that opens up and becomes, like, the Jaws of Death and has, like, the claws. And and uh, have you seen Fury Road? Uh, I, I have uh, seen Mario Kart look like Fury Road <laughs> in the Mario movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not, to, not to tangent again in another franchise, but, I mean, this scene just, I was my eyes in in 3D the, the layering of the frame was just so incredible i'm sure it was f- fine and uh regular too but you know everything was just popping so much 
And anyway, they uh, they get they get they get whooped by this surprise attack, this blitzkrieg from the um, from them, and it seems like kind of an all is lost moment. And Mario gets separated, and the good the good guys kind of break up a little bit. They just get separated, and then we go back to Luigi, who's in a cage uh, on top of this lava. And also, one of my favorite things is this character who's in the cage with him. Well, they all have the individual cages. And uh, it's the little, the pink star girl, you know what I'm talking about? Who's like the existential crisis girl. She's uh, like, L- L- not, Luma. Luma. She's, she's like nihilistic. She's like, uh, they're like, oh, I hope we can get out of here soon. And then she's like, hope. Like, no, what's the line? Oh, shoot, I'm going to forget it. No, no, Ta- no. Time, time, like hope. Yes. Yes, thank you so much. Like, oh, I wonder how long we'll be in here for, or something like that. Time, like hope, is an illusion. And it's this little, like, girl's voice delivering these, like, nihilistic... Again, back to, you know... Tru- some... Truths? Like... Truths, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back, back to being something for the adults. I don't know. I was, I was going to wonder, did, uh, did Frankie pick up on any of this? Or did she think it was funny, or... So uh, there were some like mildly dark, we'll call them like semi in the shade uh, moments in the (laughs) Mario movie. And like this character was clearly like, I I wasn't prepared for this level of darkness. I know. Like when she's like, time, like hope, is an illusion. illusion. And and she's just laughing hysterically at all of it because she understands contextually it's a joke. She doesn't get the joke. Right, right, right. But she but knows, she, she knows that this is a, a this she is feel funny, right? Yeah, this isn't like right. a, this isn't like oh we're all gonna die. This is terrible. I'm more like watching people get tortured and, and I mean, it's pretty intense. Even we kind of were. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> we were, were. And then there's one part <laughs> yeah. where uh, it's like all right now we're gonna sacrifice you guys all, uh, and we're gonna lower you into the lava. And she's like finally, the sweet release, <laughs> or something. Or yeah. mer- sweet mercy of death. <laughs> sweet mercy of death. And it's like, it's oh my god, like, this is like really <laughs> so funny, Luma. You're so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously the the you know the dialectic of like her delivering the line with this kind of cutesy you know girl voice, of like very you know high pitched uh, girl voice, and the lines she's saying are like really dark. But anyway, she was one of my favorite characters. Um, what what game is she from? Uh, she's from the Mario Galaxy universe. Galaxy? So that's, so, that's from like, that's a pretty recent game, right? That's like six, seven years ago? Uh, no, nah, it's more than that at this point. Oh, <laughs> the wow. first, They came out on the Nintendo Wii, so like, I don't remember the exact year, but I want to say like 2007-ish. Man, even the Wii is like maybe. old now. It's crazy. Wow. It is old. <laughs> 2007 <laughs> is. is like 16 years ago. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's not a recent... Um, the man, most oh, recent one was uh, Mario Odyssey is the one. And if you oh, do yeah, not yeah, have yeah. Mario Odyssey and you have a Nintendo Switch, I highly recommend you consider getting it. Yeah. It is phenomenal. Anyway, that's my... Pl- so I plugged Mario 3... I plugged Mario Maker and yeah. Mario Odyssey. So that's that's good for today. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I know. For me, it's like if anything anything beyond like Super Mario All-Stars is, is new. <laughs> So, that was like 30 years ago. Yeah, it's new. Yeah. It's all new. I'm like, so, oh, these so graf- then, these graphics on the original game are really sick in uh, Super Nintendo graphics. It's amazing. We actually have Mario to thank uh, to make about games for just another second. Uh, Mario to yeah. thank for bringing games back to more of an old school approach to things with like mm. even with the AAA games. 
Indies really did it as well. So let's let's not stop there. But like when Mario, when the Nintendo DS came out and they released the new Super Mario Brothers for the DS, it was more like the old ones because they kept on doing like 3D, bigger, 3D this, 3D that, and and, and I, I remember even saying like they just don't make games like they used to. And then bang, uh, new Super Mario Brothers came out, and I think AAA companies back then didn't think that people would want to go back. And Nintendo mm. did it, and now you see all the time they're doing it. And other other games, other companies are coming out with games that are more in a retro style with modern graphics. And of course, indie games have the indie scene has just exploded with all kinds of games from that era. So yeah, absolutely, no, for sure, no retros. I feel like we just keep seeing kind of a, a loop and. Yeah, I mean, even just doing a Mario movie just shows how popular these characters are and how woven into the fabric of, of us they are. And so I think it'll just probably keep spawning, like, you know, I think we'll, we'll continue to see, like, the Odyssey style where it's, like, newer and, you know, showing off the platforms and showing off the, the graphics. But there's something about a side-scroller, you know. There's nothing like it. It's, it hits a certain note in your brain of just... It's simple, it's clean, it's effective, and uh, it's still fun. You know, and there's ways to make it look cool. And there's uh, speaking of Sonic, there was that Sonic uh, Sonic Adventure, right? Where it's kind of like an amalgam of old games that we've seen, like Sonic Two and Sonic Three. Some new levels, but it has that. It's a new game that has the old feel. Sonic Adventure. Yeah, I, I um I, I don't know if Sonic is is the best example. Are you talking about the new one that just came out? Yeah, it's a couple years old. Yeah. Oh oh um. It's the one that looks like the old games. Is what I'm saying. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, I want to say it's called Sonic Mania. And, oh, okay. Sonic uh, Mania. Yeah, right. That's it. Yeah, that is 100% the... Like, if you didn't know any better, you would think it was a Sonic 2 game. Right. If you didn't know any better. I mean, you literally play on Emerald Hill and Chemical Plant are the first two levels. So, like, with a lot of the same stuff. Same music. Yeah. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, back to the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um... Ah, so much to talk about and unpack. It's great. So it's kind of all is lost moment. And then they're like, oh, man, Bowser's coming right for us. We got to evacuate. Toad is right by her side, Peach's side. And she says, yeah, everybody's got to go into hiding. And then she's like, I'll stay by you. I'll stay by you, princess. And that was a really powerful moment, too, where Toad, Toad's kind of rising up and becoming the powerful, you know, badass that he wants to be and you know, looks look fear in the face. And so they got the, the forces of Bowser barreling down on them. And then he shows up and asks Peaches to marry. Right? Am I am I skipping anything? Um No, no, you're you're on. Yeah, so Peaches, you gotta marry me. And what does she say? No. Definitely. I love you, Bowser. I've always <laughs> yeah. loved you. Take me from this corporeal form. And he wants I to have this. She said. Yeah, yeah. Take me from this corporeal form. <laughs> I, I, I want to have this this awesome wedding, this fairy tale wedding with you, and it's gonna be amazing. Oh my god! He's visualized it all, and he's practiced his he's practiced his one liners. What's the one line? He's like, you know, love can really get a guy out of his shell. Yeah. <laughs> and then it like, and then the joke doesn't land, obviously, because she's not into him. And then he, and then he like turns to his aide, and he's like, I told you that joke wouldn't work. <laughs> And he's like, you're doing great. And then he like slowly slinks great. out of the frame. That's one of the favorite parts too. Well, anyway, uh, so he decides to coerce Toad or, uh, you know, torture Toad to get basically her to say yes. 
But then she decides to say no again, and then he loses it, and he freaks out. And then he decides, well, I'm just going to nuke. I'm just going to nuke you guys with a giant bullet bill, which is amazing. It's like shooting a nuke. And then Mario now gets the, uh, he now has the raccoon suit, right? The raccoon suit uh, that's that, a nuki suit. You know, I, I, I'm not, I thought it was the raccoon suit. It was the raccoon suit. The suit takes over your whole body right. and is a little bit more of a deep cut because it didn't it, everybody recognizes the ears and the tail, but like, to be perfectly honest, the tanuki suit doesn't come out until level five of Mario 3, which surprisingly enough, nobody really gets to. Yeah, everyone's like, I remember, yeah, again, yeah. seeing the Nintendo Power and seeing level five map. And I was like, there's a level five? <laughs> there's, a, right. there's a cloud world? But anyway, launches a nuke. He's like, all right, I'm done with you. Uh, and then Mario, with the raccoon suit, is able to stop the bullet bill by whacking it with the tail in the eyeball. And then, then it, like, stops right before it's about to blow up everybody, the good guys. And then it starts chasing Mario. And so he's like, it's kind of a homing. It's homing right towards Mario because it's mad that it hit him in the eyeball. And he's, so he's chasing it around, and then he's able to kind of redirect it right towards everybody. It creates a huge, like, back to Bowser's forces. It creates a huge explosion, but this inevitably rips down the walls of the, the domains again. And then they're back in New York. And so Bowser erupts back in New York very much like a kaiju Godzilla monster. And he's like, oh. And then Mario and Luigi are like, all right, got to stop him here. In our, this is our turf. And we get this epic, like, Dragon Ball Z battle. You can definitely see the Western, the Eastern influences. They're kind of running like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon with their arms behind them. Or, like, in Dragon Ball Z when they, like, power up and they're running. And they're, like, running, like, super crazy fast. And they jump. It's epic fight. Finally get the Starman. They get the Starman. They get the invincibility together, Mario and Luigi. And then they finally defeat Bowser. And they save the day, and it's like, Mario and Luigi, yay! You guys are heroes. They shrink him down with a, uh, they shrink Bowser down with a, with a blue, with a blue mushroom, and peace is restored in the universe. Everyone's proud of them. The parents are, like, super proud. And the, the parents, I forgot to say, like, they were not into it in the beginning. They're like, you can't, there's one line, it's like, you can't quit your steady job to go fulfill some dream. They're like eating at the dinner table in the beginning. And it's kind of like, yeah, we're going to show them. And then, uh, so it's kind of cool to see. Obviously, now that they saved the day, everybody wants, wants peace. <laughs> but uh, the parents were great. Um, Mario's mom is played by Jessica DiCacco. And uh, Mario's dad, Giuseppe, is played by Charles Martinet. And also, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco is Spike. And he is a stand-up comedian who is a very Italian comedian who talks a lot about growing up Italian in New York and he's hilarious, super like thick Long Island kind of voice. And he actually had a trailer in the movie. Um, he's doing a movie with Robert De Niro who plays his dad in the movie. And I saw a trailer for that for Mario. So that was really cool. Again, the kind of go back to the Italian American sub theme. Do you know Maniscalco? Have you seen any of this stuff? Uh, I'm only familiar with him uh, through this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. He's got... Yeah, he's got a big movie coming out. Um, about My Father. 
Yeah, about my father. Um, and... Is that our is that our father or like? Uh, kind of, because it's played by Robert De Niro, who looks a lot like oh, that. Oh, yeah, our second father. Well, anyway, I, I was like watching this trailer before Mario both times they played it. Uh, when Sebastian tells his old-school Italian immigrant father, Salvo, that he is going to propose to the all-American girlfriend, Salvo insists on crashing a weekend with her Tony parents. That's more or less the plot. I know there's a lot of like little sub-beats. We can't get to everything, but um, it's just such a feel-good movie. Fish out of water, but brothers sticking together. And I want to go back to the Twitch stream thing where we were twitching. Phil Gawthorn, who was actually my first guest on the Anyplex in the Fog episode, Foggy Days, and he was my last guest on the Blue Thunder episode. Uh, big fan of this guy. I love him. We actually just saw a movie in the theater the other day together. We're big John Carpenter buffs, and we saw Assault on Precinct 13 in the theater. But anyway, one day he came into the chat room of the Twitch stream of our show and said, the Super Majorano Brothers. And I never heard that before. I don't remember anybody saying that before. And, of course, he spelled it right. And so, points for that. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, there's always been this... We're the Super Majorano Brothers, G. We are. It feels, it feels pretty good. And I don't need a power-up to tell you that I love you. And thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. I really do love you, G, and I, I I miss you. And honestly, doing this, I we're kind of good together. I mean, I don't know. We should do more. Well, we did this every week for a year. I know we <laughs> so did. We and I, actually, I wanna I wanna talk about that again for a second because you were like, "How do I fuse?" You reached out to me. You're like, "How do I fuse kind of our uh, our abilities, <laughs> our powers, if you were?" And I'm you know I'm into podcasting and I'm into movies and you're into gaming. And so you would play a game, and we'd pick a game. Sometimes you'd warm up with uh, Rocket League, which is like a soccer with cars, which is a great game. Flying and Rocket Cars. Flying Rocket Cars. Best. It's such a great game. Yeah. That was actually one of yeah. the games that got me to get a PS4. If Quidditch was real, it would be called Rocket League. Right? Love that. And anyway, you so brilliantly were like, what can we do? And I'll play games, and then we'll come up with talking points, and we'll, we'll have dialogue. So the visual is you playing the game. If you come into in the Twitch room. And now Twitch is like taking over the world. Like there's major releases for things on Twitch. Like it's big time. Well, it has the following. It has the, the people. It has the content creators. And it's way easier. Because like there's so many good content creators. It has its own like little economy Twitch. in there and everything. and like Yeah, it's it's incredible. And, and the Twitch streams were a ton of fun. And like really I, I had no idea. Because you and I grew up talking to each other and talking to our friends. And I certainly continued. Like I would play games and people would just come in and we would talk and I would play the game that I was playing. And I had no idea that like holding a full on conversation that has nothing to do with the game that I'm playing, playing the game at like any kind of a high level while having a, an, an in-depth conversation about whatever the hell you were asking me. Yeah. I had no idea that was like a thing, you know, and yeah. then people were like, how are you doing that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I grew up playing, I grew up here. I grew up here playing video games. So this is all I've ever known. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm so nostalgic of that era. Not that there was a lot of pain and suffering going on in, with the pandemic, but um, it really was a... It was great, man. And yeah, it was... People literally were like... Like, I remember if we'd skip a week, they'd be like, what happened? Like, people calling me and texting me. Oh, you guys, you guys are going to do the show? You got my Thursday night, man. What's going on? Like, <laughs> it was everything okay? Like, 
people checked in on me too and it's crazy and i would be like i'm sorry guys i uh i guess i didn't realize that everybody yeah this cared. was like and your whole... i was like okay i gotta i gotta be better i gotta i gotta show up yeah um, yeah i mean people are stuck yeah. at home and they got nothing going on and um that we were an avenue but anyway i can speak for myself it was a, it was an amazing experience all right well i just want to ask a couple more questions before we we wrap up for the day uh regarding now that you are a parent um, how do you approach video gaming with the internet now? As, I mean, when we were coming up, it was just like, oh, that game's violent. Like, don't play that game. Don't play Mortal Kombat. Don't play Street Fighter or whatever. Dra uh, Double Dragon. Um, and I remember we literally would we'd pretend we were playing a different game. We'd put a different game in front. We put, like, Mario Brothers in front, and then it was actually, like, Mortal Kombat that was loaded into the, yeah, the right. Super, Super Nintendo or the Sega. And then if mom would come down into our basement, we'd be like, oh, yeah, we're playing Mario. Um, but, like, how do you approach as a parent now? Obviously, as a person who thinks gaming is great. And you've told me how many times that gaming has been so good for you as a competitor. You know, you're in the business world. You're in a very different field than me. I'm in kind of this Hollywood world. You know, it's all, business is business at the end of the day. But you said how it's fed your competitive edge. And, you know, honing your skills and making you persistent and making you just stronger at what you do aptitudes-wise. But is there a line where, oh, they're playing too many games or this game is too violent or this game is, like, where do you draw the line, I guess, for your own yeah. as, as a dad? Yeah, so um, it is pretty funny that I'm in this new position where, like, I always knew that if I had kids that they would be playing games, right? Mm -hmm. And to answer your first question, how do I handle the internet, is I do not let my kids play on the internet if there's chatting involved so if mm. like you know they want to play mario kart whatever against just like people it doesn't matter right like whatever i don't really want you know the interaction with you know people online so that's like a hard a hard line there and so right. that's pretty easy um in terms of like content um considering i grew up with doom and mortal kombat and all those games, you know, uh, as a seven-year-old, right? Like I'm the same age. I was the same age. Like I'm more concerned about context than actually like what's on the, like, for example, like if, like if she's seeing Bloodborne and I'm like killing all these whatevers, it doesn't register. She's not seeing like, she's not seeing like, oh, these graphics are realistic. It must be real. Therefore it's a, it's a cartoon. Yeah, I'm not, where, she's like, I'm not watching like actual violence. Like it's, it's game. It's, yeah. And it doesn't, the connection isn't there. And the concept of like real horror in the world isn't in, in a child. That's part of like what being a kid is all about. So like, I'm not going to let her sit there and watch last of us. Like some of the cutscenes in last of us were like, someone's being tortured horribly. Like that's not acceptable to, to like, it, it's uncomfortable for adults, much less kids that are trying to make sense of the world. Yeah. That game is, so is that, intense. Yeah, so like I don't really care about like the the cartoon violence, whatever. I mean, right? You know, and then in terms of how much playtime there is, I I am concerned more about shirking responsibilities, false senses of accomplishment versus real senses of accomplishment. So mm. like for example, um, she played Kirby and she ended up one hundred like one hundred percent of the game. I have ha I haven't had a problem with that because now that she's completed every just about every challenge, and, and some of these challenges are actually pretty tough. Uh, for anyone, much less a seven-year-old, right. and she was six turning seven, she's put it down, and now she's doing other stuff. And if she's playing like 
Portal Knights, which is like another version of Minecraft, and she's like making a character or designing a character. I see no difference between that and playing like dress up with your dolls or with your whatevers, like with your Legos. I see no difference. So it's like I'm sitting there. It's like okay, if I saw her playing with Legos, you know, and then someone would argue, oh, well, you're not interacting with the world. It's like well, the numbers are in. If you're interacting creatively in any way, whether it's a game or with your hands, which you are using your hands. Right. Then you are developing parts of your brain that are going to be more analytical and cognitive and all that stuff. The numbers are. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's not small sample sizes either. So it's like, okay, you want to go play? You want to go play? Whatever. Go ahead. Now, if it's like, you know, I'm sitting there with like a bag of Cheetos and like a soda and I haven't done anything for days. Like, no, (laughs) in order to play games, you have to do a bunch of stuff. And she and she listens and she does it. So it's like, you want to play games? Go ahead. That's great. Really cool. Very cool. Nice. Sounds Just like get off the TV when it's my turn. Yeah, it's my play now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, I know. And um, you've told me how you, your video game time is very sacred to you and and very special. And it's it's your you time. And you often wake up early so that you can have a little, you know, before the kids get up. Do you find yourself still doing this? Do you still wake up early to play games in the morning? Some days. Um, so some days. The last time I really did that um, was with the Resident Evil Two game. So oh, the remake. You know that was when ZZ was like still very little, and I would wake up early because it was the only time that I could get up and practice the game uninterrupted. And and I I don't when I get up early now I'm usually going to the gym <laughs> now yeah, like yeah, I go yeah. to the gym on most mornings, um, and so. I'm not waking up to play. I, if I'm playing, I'm playing at night. And if I'm playing, I'm playing more multiplayer games because it's kind of my social life at this point is gaming. Right. As opposed to like, like I, I, I have actually only beaten one story game or two story games in the last year. But if you were to look at how much Rocket League, StarCraft or Call of Duty that I've played, you know, <laughs> it's multiple hours a week. Yeah. Right. Like you said, it gets you kind of into a you're plugging into a bigger community. Yeah. And you're talking with friends and whatever else. Right. Yeah, you got your gang. You got your peeps that you hang out with. Um, cool. All right. Man, well, I just want to say that we're seeing just we're seeing a video game movie right now putting up what would have been only approachable or perform, performed by big video game. I'm sorry, big superhero tent poles. Like, you know, we're, this movie is, is, is doing massive metrics. I think it's only going to spawn... Sequels and, you know, other companies are going to probably dust off their franchises, that they, their IP that they have. And speaking of Last of Us, the, that series did really well on HBO. I was very impressed by that. You got to see that at some point. Obviously not with your children, but <laughs> uh, they really <laughs> fine. They really nailed it. We're, we're seeing just the rise of these video game adaptations, and it's taking the place of what's looking like the superhero franchises are kind of on the wane. You know, we've... We've had the big, like, Infinity Gauntlets, and now, you know, there's other stuff coming out, but um, watch out, superheroes, video games, baby, because, man, I think we might, I hope, you know, speaking of Legend of Zelda, I hope we see a cool, like, the Dungeons and Dragons movie came out, that's not a video game, but that's another game transitioned into a movie that it was, like, a $130 million movie, so we're seeing these studios laying down some big cash for video game franchises now. And a lot of them have built-in stories that are really, really good, like Last of Us, and they nailed it. I mean, you got to see that at some point. They just, 
really, really nailed the game. And that one has a very, like, powerful story with great characters already woven into it. But even, like, a Mario and Luigi, like, they nailed it. They, this was so good. It's not just fan service. It's not just, oh, look at the Starman. Oh, look at the, the, the raccoon suits. Great story with great character arcs. Really satisfying emotional journeys that are set in these worlds. So I think if they can continue to do this, I mean, Illumination has got a cash cow on their hands with, with this. But I think we're going to see a lot more video game franchises coming down the pike in, in the film medium. Um, is there any, are there any kind of like deep cuts you'd like to see? Like, uh, one of your favorite games that might not necessarily be like a Mario or something, but something you wouldn't want to see, is something you'd like to see? Basically, I do like the fact that people are becoming more aware that the stories in video games are deeper than what you can see in most other forms of entertainment. Um, Metal Gear is a great example of that. Witcher is a great example of that. We already see The Last of Us. So the mm -hmm. stories in video games are extraordinarily deep and are uh complex enough to sustain multiple seasons of of shows right uh much less or, and, and obviously we've already seen movies and that is what is required to bring the video game stories to life because a lot of them whether it's like like take the uncharted movie so much was left out of the uncharted movie right oh, like I didn't the uncharted see that, series but... has four games there's four games in the uncharted series uh, excuse me, four main installments, and then they made like a couple ones after that. Mm -hmm. And it's like they're story-heavy games that are fit for the big screen. Obviously, they did it. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm excited to see where it goes. I am a very pro take some creative liberties as long as the emotional experience is maintained. Do whatever you want. I, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. And uh, yeah, I know. If they can keep the caliber this high. I mean, honestly, I, I want this movie to win Best Animated Movie. We're still early in the year. We've got uh, another Pixar movie coming down the pike. We've got a sequel to uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which that first one ended up really being the dark horse kind of knockout blow that couple years back was a 2018. That movie is just so fantastic. I'm not sure, not sure if you've seen that one, Into the Spider-Verse. I'm like, oh, an animated uh, Spider-Man movie, but then it like won the weekend. And then everyone's like, you got to see this thing. And it's so good. It was so well handled. Especially after we're like, more Spider-Man? My gosh. But they came at it from a different angle, and they did it right. And they just, they brought the kind of multi-dimensional angle into it. Um, so it's like, if you can be creative and come at it with, uh, same thing but different is what we hear in, in Hollywood. Like, you want to do the same thing, but you want to do it differently. Because it's like, you want to hook people in, like, oh, I kind of know what I'm getting in for. So I'm going to go, familiar enough. But then if you already know exactly what you're getting, it's going to be like a stale eating stale cake. You know, it doesn't have that same punch. So like this movie, I mean, I knew it was going to be cool from the get go. And then once I got your, you know, seal of approval, I was like, all right, but I, I've seen yeah, it twice right. now. I, I actually would like to see it one more time in 3d. I mean, for me to go multiple times to the theater is very rare. Unless it's like a Star Trek movie or, you know, avatar <laughs> but uh it was it's it's that good it's that good and they nailed it and anyway it's been great waxing poetic on the super mario brothers movie with you and uh we've evolved from a 16-bit pixel which is why i guess they wanted to do the the the, the mustache but i was like oh i got 16 pixels to work with what do i do here uh the creator of the game um shigeru miyamoto he's a big part of the they really folded him in as a producer and they brought him in not just as a consultant but to visualize this world for a new medium 
and they nailed it. And uh, so going from a 16-bit pixelated Jumpman, which was the name of the original game, then it was Donkey Kong. Or it was Donkey Kong, and he was called Jumpman, right? Was that? It was, yeah. He was called Jumpman in Donkey in the it, in the original Donkey Kong. Right. So first off, he's he's called Jumpman. Now he's Mario, and now he's got this whole lore. So this evolution of almost forty years is beautiful, and uh, it just shows how much you can you can graft onto anything if the creativity is there, and the heart is there, which it is. All right. Well, Gianni Mairano, my brother, so good to have you here today. Thank you for carving out some time to do this. I know you're a busy man and I love you, brother. And I, uh, you're my Mario, my Luigi. I was always Luigi. Isn't that funny? Even though I'm older. Anyway, even though I look more like Mario cause I've got the kind of lighter skin and brown hair and you've got the darker, more olive skin, like more traditional Italian look, black hair. I don't know. I guess I just like the green color in the original game. So well, he was the better character in Mario too. Let's let's call a spade a spade. You know, Mario <laughs> was the, was the all around, but but Luigi had more of the flight, and that's why he liked Luigi. And then then it kind of stuck, right? That's that's kind of where that happened. You're right. Plus, he was bigger, <laughs> and I was smaller. Yeah. Super Mario Runner Rose, baby. Ah, love you. God bless.